Good morning. Good morning. So we're, we're going to try this again this morning. Um, first service, we usually stream our first service, and it's streamed, but it's streamed completely with no sound. So we're going to try this again and stream with sound this time. So I just want to just start us all off by saying good morning and welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us here and joining us hopefully again online. Um, and maybe this time you'll hear what, what we do. So um, I just ask if you would to just pray with me for just a moment to start. Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Katie. If it wasn't for Katie this morning, I don't know what I would be doing. I'm serious. So before we pray, though, let's greet each other the way Christians have been greeting each other for a very long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we do thank you for this time that we have together with you. For the folks that are gathered here in this building and hopefully the folks that are joining us again online. <laughs> We do thank you for bringing us together this morning. We thank you for your rich blessings this last week. And even in the midst of some things that might not have been so great, Lord, you've been with us. Be with us in the service. Be with us as we um, worship you in, in music and in the things that we say and do. For all of this, Lord, we give you honor and praise, and we pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. Well, I invite you, if you're able and want to, to stand and join us as we sing this morning. Days, 
May I would be praying and leading us in a pastoral prayer, but I've invited my friend, Pastor Alon Santos. He was here with us last week and introduced himself, but I've invited him to pray for us right now. He's from Brazil, and so he's going to pray for us first in Portuguese, in his first language, and then pray for us in English. So, Pastor Alon, thank you. Morning. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Senhor, te louvamos nessa manhã. Queremos aqui engrandecer o seu nome, louvar o Senhor, dizer, ó oh Deus, e declarar as suas grandezas aos quatro cantos dessa terra, Senhor. Dizer e exaltar o Senhor em uma só voz. Tu és digno, Senhor, de nossa adoração, de toda a honra, de todo louvor. E Deus, nos colocamos perante o Senhor, ó oh Deus, nessa manhã, em espírito e em verdade, dizendo que só o Senhor merece a nossa adoração. E Deus, aqui estamos na expectativa, à medida que te adoramos, à medida que te buscamos, ó Deus, queremos ser tocados pelo Senhor. Queremos ver, ó Deus, a nossa casa, a nossa família, a nossa vida sendo transformada por sua presença. Recebe-nos, ó Deus, nessa manhã. Acolhe, Senhor, a nossa oração e permita-nos, ó Deus, ver-te por quem tu és. Lord, we praise you this morning, and we are here, Lord, uh, to meet with you, and to honor you, and glorify your name. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of all our worship this morning. And as we do that, Lord, may you, may you touch us, may you transform us for your power for your holy presence. May you touch our lives, our hearts, our family, Lord, as we come before you this morning. May your will be done in our life as we seek your face this morning. We pray and seek you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Alan. Now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. Okay, okay. I, I know Rich has shared this before. I shared it in first service. It's so nice to see people chatting with each other um, and fellowshipping with each other. It's it just, there's something about it that just, I don't know, makes it feel like home here. Anyway, um, we do have a couple of announcements for you. Uh, first, we have um, coming up July 12th, that's on a Wednesday, and normally we would have like a life group um, Bible discussion that day, but Wednesday, July 12th at 6 p.m. here at the church, missionaries Vi Vidal Vital and Marie Cole, um, they've been here before, they were here last year, um, they're missionaries from Sierra Leone to Nigeria in Africa. And they're going to be sharing with us. We've invited some other churches in the area. We'd love to have you come. They are fantastic people. And they have great, a great story and a great message to share. So we'd love to have you here on Friday or Wednesday, July 12th, 6 p.m. We also, on July 15th, are going to be doing our next free bike tune-up and giveaways. Okay? So if you have a bike you don't know what to do with, it's sitting in your garage and you don't want to necessarily throw it away. You can bring it and donate it. And if you need a bike, you can go ahead and pick out a bike and take that home with you. Or if you just want it looked at because it's not breaking right or the gears aren't shifting right, they'll look at it and they'll fix it for you at no cost. So that's out here in the parking lot, July 15th on Saturday from 9 to noon. And then um, I didn't do this first service. So the first service, they didn't hear it. You guys are the first ones to hear it. The, this month in July, 
the breakfast that we have between services is going to be the third Sunday. What, what's the date on that? Can somebody look that up for me? I know it's the third Sunday of July, um, the 16th. Thank you, July 16th, yes. So you guys are the ones that actually need to know in second service because you have to come early for breakfast. The first service folks, they can, they can find out a little later because they just stay. So it's all, it's all good. Um, if you have a message you need to get to the church office, to, to the pastor here, then there's a couple of ways that we can and we invite you to do that. You can get that done. One is we've got some communication cards in the back. You can fill that out, drop it in the box. Or if you prefer to do so online, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect and leave us a message, share a concern with us or whatever it is you need to share with the church, with the pastoral staff. And then if you want to give this morning, um, I invite you to also use the envelopes that are back there, drop it in the box, or you can go to livinghope.info slash give. And um, there's a couple of places if you wanted to go some, to one of our ministries specifically, you can use the drop down to do that or just to the general fund. Either way, we, uh, we so appreciate your giving and your generosity. So this morning, you notice I'm not Pastor Rich. I know, I know, shocking, isn't it? But <laughs> Pastor Rich and Stacy and the boys, they're taking some time away as a family, and we're so glad that they're able to do that. Um, it's so important for, for all of us to be able to get away, to rest, and to enjoy family. And so um, before this month came along, and as we knew we were going to be preaching from Job, um, Pastor Rich and Jason and I um, kind of had a little conversation to kind of get a sense of where we wanted to preach in Job, what kind of the direction we were each going to go with, with the different parts of Job we were going to preach from. And, and I'm, I mentioned at the time that there's, there's a part of my story that I've, I've shared a little bit of it here early on when I first came on board, but I haven't really shared a lot of it. And, um, and I, you know, I said to Pastor, sorry, Siri's listening to me. Um, I didn't... I said to, to Pastor Rich, I hesitate to really share because I think, I think when you preach, you should be sharing, it, sh it should be about the message, it should be about the word of the Lord, it, not necessarily about the preacher, okay? But Pastor Rich encouraged me, um, knowing a little bit more of the story than what I've shared, he encouraged me to go ahead and do that in light of some of the challenges <laughs> that we've had as a family and, and me personally in in this path of faith that I've been on. And so, um, and how those, that, that those experiences connect with Job. Um, so this morning I'm going to share how those things connected with Job and how I, I, I connected with Job at a, really a particularly difficult period in my own life. So before we get too far into it, though, I want to take a look at Job 7, 11 to 21. It's in your handouts. So if you'll follow along with me as I read. And this is Job talking to God, just so we know who's, who's who, the characters in this right now. It says, I, keep, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. My bitter soul must complain. Am I a sea monster or a dragon that you must place me under guard? I think my bed will comfort me and sleep will ease my misery. But when then you shatter me with dreams and terrify me with visions. I would rather be strangled, rather die than suffer like this. I hate my life and don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for a few remaining days. What are people that you should make so much of us? 
that you should think of us so often, for you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Why won't you leave me alone, at least long enough for me to swallow? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of all humanity? Why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? Why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? For soon I will lie down in the dust and die. And when you look for me, I will be gone. Um, that's not usually what we tend to read in the Bible, is it? <laughs> Those aren't very nice words to God that Job is speaking here. They're actually kind of harsh that, towards the Lord, is, aren't they? Job isn't the only person, though, to have said things like this to God. He's not the first. He probably won't be the last. Because I know for me in about 2005, I was having some very similar conversations, though maybe not quite as intense with God yet. There were some things going on. And um, at the time, we had a family-owned business, and that's where my husband Phil worked. And now there are some perks to working for your family. There's some challenges to working for your family, too. <laughs> and for a little while, the challenges had been outweighing the perks. And during this time, I was studying to be ordained as I answered the call of God to prepare for ministry. But as 2005 turned into 2006, many of those challenges that we had been living in intensified. At the same time, I was in the midst of my own internal struggle with my journey towards ordination. See, at the time I answered God's call to prepare for ministry, I had shared it with my pastor. For whatever reason, or for a variety of reasons completely unknown to me, I didn't receive from him the support and encouragement that I thought I deserved. <laughs> and this had developed in me an internal struggle that I had battled for several years at that point. And let me just insert a little bit of a disclaimer here. My struggle with this pastor had nothing to do with how he pastored the church or whether he was right or wrong or anything like that. He was the person God had placed in that church for that time and he was living out his call to ministry the best he, needed, he knew to do at the time. This struggle was mine and mine alone. But sometime in the July of 2006, this inner, inner struggle that I had with myself, that I perceived, because I perceived a lack of support from my pastor, it, it came to a head. And I can remember I was in church on a Sunday morning, standing right about here in that church. <laughs> and God and I were chatting. Frankly, I was complaining, let's be honest. I was complaining to God about my frustrations and my hurts, and I was telling him about my struggles with my pastor and how hard it was for me to have him as my pastor when I felt so discouraged with what I perceived as a lack of support for my call to ministry. And as I was whining, and yes, folks, I was whining, <laughs> it was like the Lord moved in to stand next to me and very quietly, not in a voice that anybody could hear, it wasn't audible, it was just kind of an internal dialogue or a sense that I had. But he just stood beside me and very quietly said, well, Judy, then give it up. Excuse me? <laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> said, give it up. My response to him was, listen, God. 
I was a little audacious then too, right? <laughs> I said, listen, God, this was your idea in the first place. I didn't ask for this. This was your idea. But then the very quiet, gentle voice of God said to me, honey, if you're struggling so much with this, then give it up. If it's affecting, you, affecting how you feel about your pastor that much, and it's hindering your worship of me, give it up. At that point, I said to God, and I said it pretty much just like this, fine then. <laughs> fine then. I'll give that up if, it, if that's what it takes. And in fact, Lord, I'll give up anything in my life, anything in our lives as a family that hinder us from being and doing all you would have us be and do. Take whatever it is in our lives that keep us from being and doing what you would have us be and do. Now that is a scary prayer. And I'll say, I'm going to say this, be careful what you pray for. Because sometimes God will give it to you. Okay? So I did. I put a pause on my prepare, preparation for ministry. And I think I might have shared part of this story with you before when I first came here. But I hope you'll just bear with me if you have heard it before as I tie it back to Job and how he experienced God and had some of the same hard conversations with, with him. Because the events that would occur following this for conversation with God felt very Job-like. Now, I don't believe that everything that happened was God's doing, not necessarily, or that he had orchestrated the events to follow that would follow to teach me a lesson. I don't know that that's how God operates. What I really believe, though, is that they were going to happen regardless, and God was preparing me for what was to come. Because within six months of me praying that, praying that prayer, now, mind you, it's not as fast as everything that happened in Job. And in the book of Job, it was like all in, it seemed like all in one day, you know, the servants came. And it's like, oh, your, your, camp, your livestock's all gone, your crops are all gone, your kids are all dead. And it's all in, in the same time. It didn't happen like that for us, thank goodness. But within those six months afterwards, we found ourselves with a business that had closed the majority of our income disappearing because my husband lost his job, a home that was foreclosed on, the threat of legal issues due to the closing of the business, and the loss of our reputation, not only in our community, but in our church community. And within the next year, Phil, my husband, his grandma and his mom would pass away, and my mom would receive a cancer diagnosis. You know, just a lot of little stuff. Right? Just, just some little things. Now, I know that I had an advantage over Job in a couple of areas. One, I still had my kids, and they were, we were all still healthy. And for that, I was very thankful, even going through all of this. And two, I had the whole of the Bible to go to for comfort. In fact, one of the places I went to often was in Lamentations 3, verses 16 to 26. They're in your handout if you'll follow along. It says, he's made me to chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still 
dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait patiently for salvation from the Lord. Now that whole entire chapter 3 was where I sat in the Bible for a long time, along with the book of Job. But these few verses gave me hope. And I clung to that hope, white-knuckled most days. <laughs> and I clung to them as if God had written them just for me. In fact, there was even a whole hymn that's been written from those last couple few verses. And I'd sing it in the shower. I won't sing it this morning, I promise. I promise. But I would sing it in the shower regularly. And that, that singing it and reading it and sitting in it, it helped me to cling to the, what little hope I had during this time. Now, lest you think that I was just merrily singing my way along, <laughs> trusting and believing that God was going to work everything out every minute of every day, let me assure you that that was not the case. Sure, on the one hand, I did have hope, hope that only came from God. It didn't come from anywhere else. But on the other hand, I didn't feel very Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper. It was kind of a joke. Sorry. It's not funny when you have to explain it, is it? <laughs> but I didn't feel very Jeremiah 29, 11 most of the time. And in fact, I can remember having conversations with God that went a little like the ones Job had had with him in our opening passage. They sounded a lot like this. Lord, what in the actual are you doing here? Haven't we been faithful to you? Haven't we served you well enough? Haven't we served you long enough? Haven't we given everything to you? Have we not surrendered enough to you? What else do you want from me? What lesson are you trying to teach me here? Just tell me so I can learn it and be done with all of this because, quite frankly, I am sick and tired of all of these trials and these tests and these problems and these challenges. I'm really, I'm, I'm over it. And if you could just see your way to start fixing things and restoring us, I would appreciate it more than you know. And in fact, God, I'll even give you the glory for doing it. Wasn't that nice of me, <laughs> right? Now, these are not the kind of prayers you would expect from someone who had been a Christian since she was a little girl and had been following Jesus for longer than she could remember, are they? Let alone prayers that come from someone called to ministry. But they were the prayers that I prayed. And they were real and they were raw. But we're supposed to have it all together, right? Right? And we're supposed to be so close to God that we never question him or get angry about the circumstances in our lives, right? Well, I can assure you that is not the case, at least not in my experience. You know, during this time in our lives, there was another part of scripture that I really identified with. And it's from the book of Joel. Joel is one of the, the minor prophets. 
And it's not one we read from very often, but in Joel chapters 1 and in the beginning of chapter 2, it talks about the locusts that were to, going to come to Israel and they were going to strip the land of every sort resource the people had. They were going to be the cutting locust, the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust. And they would come in wave after wave after wave, stripping everything away from the people. But then in verse 12 of chapter 2, the prophet Joel calls the people to repentance. And in verses 18 to 27, Joel gives the people the Lord's promise of restoration. In fact, in verses 25 to 27, this passage was especially meaningful for me. It says, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. And once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Now, as awesome as the Bible verses and lamentations were for giving me hope that we would get through this time in our lives, when I found these verses in Joel, I had the assurance that we would not only get through it, but that God would bring restoration. We see that at the end of Job, too. If we look at chapter 42, verses 12 to 17, these are the last five verses in the book of Job. We read this. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 team of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuch. I'm sure I butchered that. Um, in all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. What I love about the end of the book of Job is that his story wraps up just like we like it, doesn't it? <laughs> it does the same in Joel, where God restores back everything the locust took away. Just like a sitcom or a rom-com where it all just works out the way we think it should, right? But I'm going to be honest again, because when we were in the midst of the most difficult seasons of, of, of our lives, I had to cling to this assurance that I received from Job's story and from the prophecy of Joel. That not only would we get through it, but that God would do great things in restoring us to the former glory we'd lived under by his grace and mercy. But something had to occur first. It's not in your handouts, but in verses 5 and 6 of Job 42, Job said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And in Joel 2, before the prophecy of Israel's restoration, Joel calls the people to repentance. I realized, eventually, <laughs> that there were places in my own life, prior to all of these events, as well as during and after them still, that I needed to repent to the Lord and give over to him. Even though I had served God faithfully, I'll be honest, I was a little prideful in that fact. 
I had taken it upon myself to try to fix my circumstances to my liking instead of trusting that God was going to work them out for my good. There were things, other things I needed to repent to God, but you get the picture. As God showed me the places where I needed to repent and surrender, he also revealed himself to me, to me in ways I had never known before. I thought I had trusted God before all of this happened, only to find out that I did, but only to a point. <laughs> I thought I had given him every part of my life, only to realize that there were parts that I had held back from him. But God. What an awesome two-word phrase, right? But God. In his infinite grace and love and mercy, not only showed me those places in my life I'd held back, but he had tenderly and lovingly pulled me close like a good dad with a hurting child. And he helped me to give all of that hurt, all of that disappointment, all of the pride and the control, the anger, all of it to him. And when I did that, I experienced God in a way I had never experienced him before. I knew him then in a way that I never could have even imagined, and I understood his love and grace and mercy and faithfulness on a level I never would have or could have before this. Since that time, he has also continued to show himself to be all of those things and so much more. So what was the end of the story? Because <laughs> we're still in 2000. 6, 2007, 2008 in the story. Well, I don't think we've arrived at the end yet. We're not there. But I can say this. God does restore. Not necessarily in the way or in the timing that we expect. Because for years, God showed himself faithful to us little by little by little. We saw it demonstrated in a lot of different ways. You know, within a short time of after losing the business, Phil was able to get a job that would allow us to have enough, enough. And that along with my pay would cover our obligations. Four years after I'd prayed that prayer, giving, giving up this calling or thinking I was giving up a calling to ministry, I resumed my studies to prepare for ministry and completed them, actually. God led me through a succession of jobs that increased my pay and benefits. And we weren't rich by any means, but we didn't have to worry about how we were going to pay our bills. Our kids, who I haven't mentioned up to this point, our kids, I was very concerned about them through this. I was concerned for their, their emotional and their mental and their spiritual health through all of it. And through this season, they grew up, they graduated from high school, they went to college, one joined the army, two of them got married so far. And then gave me three grandbabies. That was the best part. <laughs> but they thrived in spite of all of the loss and the stress and the disappointment and the hurt. More recently, four years ago, we were able to buy a house. It wasn't the house that we had before. God didn't give us back exactly what he had. But the house that he did lead us to, to be able to buy, is actually better for us now. And that's, that's part of the thing about God's restoration. He doesn't necessarily give you back exactly what you lost. He gives you back better for what you need now. Because we're not the same people we were then. 
We need it different. And God's restoration, God in his wisdom knew that. And in his restoration, he gave us better than we could have imagined. Phil, my husband, after 15 years at, um, at Bass Pro Shop, made a transition to um, teaching high school science, <laughs> which he loves. He, I don't think he realized he was going to love it quite as much as he does because he loves teaching high school science. I don't get it. There's not enough bail money for me to teach high school. Trust me. But, <laughs> but he loves it. And he, he, is, he is affecting the lives of his students. And it's great to see that happen. And the one thing, for me at least, that will bring all of this full circle will be when I'm finally ordained as an elder in the Church of the Nazarene, hopefully next spring. <laughs> And this restoration, though, it has occurred slowly over 17 years. It wasn't like in Job, but it has happened nonetheless. And I want to encourage all of us here this morning, those of us joining online, if you've lost even a little bit to the circumstances of life, hold on to the fact that, that God, that God is always faithful. He is working on your behalf. And there may be places or parts in your life that you need to repent and give to him. Give over to him. But you can trust that he will be gracious and merciful to you as he has been to me as you do that. God wants to restore you. He wants to redeem you. He wanted it so much he sent his son even to die for us and be resurrected so that we could know redemption and restoration even if it takes a lot longer than you might like or think. <laughs> but when you trust him, when you cling to him, when you rely on him like your life depends on it, and let me tell you, your life depends on it, you will experience him and know him in ways that you never, ever could have imagined before. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you this morning for the message that you have um, put on paper for me. Lord, this is your story, not mine. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not over, that you continue to redeem and restore in my life and in everyone's life, Lord. It has been your work from the, the, the moment Adam and Eve left the garden, Lord, you have been doing whatever you could, what needed to be done in order to restore and redeem. I thank you, Lord, for that fact. I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in life, in times of prosperity and peace, Lord, in times of trial and tribulation, in times of sorrow and hurt and grief, Lord. We can trust that you are infinitely gracious, infinitely merciful, infinitely loving, and you truly are working on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, for that fact. Thank you also, Lord, for inviting us to your table this morning. As we ask for your blessing on the bread and on the cup this morning, I thank you for the reminder that it is to us of your son's sacrifice on the cross, for the resurrection of Jesus back to life so that we can be in right relationship with you, so that we can be restored to you. Lord, it is a, a great and awesome thing. It's a mystery 
that, honestly, Lord, I, I struggle sometimes to understand. And yet you love us so much that you invite us here this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for each of your blessings this morning and in the week to come. For this and so many other things, we give you praise. And if you would, join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, I've asked Pastor Alon to join me in, in passing the um, sacraments, the, the bread and the cup. And so if you are invited to come, if you're saying yes to Jesus, if you're surrendering to him today, I invite you to come forward. You can take a piece of bread or the gluten-free wafer and dip it into the cup and if you would prefer to stay at your table and not be part of a group, that's okay. We do have elements of communion on the tables, and we invite you. We invite you along with the Lord to come this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this morning and all of the blessings that you've brought to us in these moments. We thank you, Lord, for your words to us, whatever they may be. I thank you, Lord, for the, the message that you gave that we can now take from this place into wherever we find ourselves, into our homes, into our jobs, into our communities, wherever we may find those around us, Lord, that we would take your message and that we would be able to share it wherever we are. Lord, I thank you for your, your presence here this morning. I know that you, you were here before we were, and you're going to be here long after we're here. But Lord, for your, the sweetness of your presence this morning, I thank you. I give you all the praise and all the glory, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.